Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you for all that you are presenting to us, all that you are opening. These are gifts that you're opening in our community. We want to step in with great faith and expectation that you are leading us. And all we're doing is following, looking for your footprints and stepping into them. So we ask you for your word to open into our hearts, God, and fill us with courage and hope in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You know, last week, if you were here, we laid hands on Derek and Anastasia and ordained them as pastors for our church in Boca Raton, Florida. And I began to think what's so amazing is in March 2020, when COVID hit and all the churches and many businesses were closing, we shut down for a few weeks, but we had online content. This church was birthed exactly that week. I don't think many churches can share a testimony that March 2020, we started a new church. That wasn't our plan, but inadvertently, that became now our campus church. We don't even have, we're catching up. We don't even have a language to clearly describe what it is. We're catching up to what God is already doing among us. So encouraging to me that God has his way. When he wants to do something, he will find a way to do it and lead us. Where there is no way, he will make a way. That doesn't mean there was a way before and he's removing debris. No, there was not a way before and he makes a way. In order to get to that point, we need to have courage. Stand in the face of impossibility until that wasn't a way, now becomes a way. Thank you, Lord. You know, I saw a meme recently with all the things that are unfolding in me. In the body here, in our community, it's encouraging. But when I step outside, I feel like I'm on a different planet sometimes in the last couple of years. And I saw a meme recently of this person just looking out their window like this thing. I'm just looking out to see what chapter of Revelation we're in today. <laughs> and I feel like that sometimes, you know. There's so much going on now with, with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. This is not the first war that we've ever experienced. I was in in, I was living in Dubai during the Gulf War times, and I was here during 9-11. I hope I'm not the <laughs> common fat denominator here. <laughs> but just when we thought we're, we're coming out of COVID, you, you, you turn on the news and you see there's a war going on between Russia. I mean, timing, I mean, just wait another year, maybe, you know, give us a little bit of breather, you know. No. There's careless grab of nuclear facilities on top of that. It makes COVID seem like an opening act. You know? I'm like, what could happen all over Europe if, so, if, they, if they misuse this power? And then as a citizen, I'm witnessing the blatant disregard of the well-being of Americans with contorted politics. Can I say that as a, as a, as a citizen? I don't feel like I'm being cared for. I don't feel like my family is being cared for in, the, in this season. Practically, it hit home. Just this weekend, I filled gas. Anyone filled gas in the last week? Uh, I know. We are one of the highest in Pennsylvania. California is higher than us. They are well into $5 or more for gas. So we had one of our Cully River meetings on Friday, and I thought I'd, you know, I'd I'd, I'd go to Panera Bread, and I never go to Panera Bread. I thought I'd go to Panera Bread and get some pastries for our meeting Friday morning. So I go up to the front door, and there's a sign, please use the side door. I'm like, okay. So I walk over to the side door, and the side door, it says, 
we don't have any cashiers, so please log online or go through the drive-thru for service. First, I'm thinking, why couldn't you have said that on the main door? <laughs> Is this a side door policy only? <laughs> I didn't get it. But then I was like, okay, I'll go through the drive-thru. I went through the drive-thru. Let me just tell you, this is no Chick-fil-A. I was there for 45 minutes, and I hadn't even gotten to the board where you order, you know, what you want. So I got out of line. Sorry, guys. That, those pastries were from Giant that morning. So I had to go. I'm talking about union deposit right here, you know. The real state of the union as a citizen is Panera Bread has no cashiers, and I'm paying $4.20 for gas. It's not encouraging. Right? And then there's a the southern border. I don't even want to talk about the southern border. And then as a, as, a, as a parent, we have four children. We're navigating through what we are facing culturally in such a real and intense way. Conversations that I never thought I would have to have with our children. Time to communicate to them what's going on with people's idea of gender. Gender dysphoria, gender confusion pronouns, agenda, some videos I, I, I saw, I can't even play it. It doesn't even make sense. Forget politics. What is happening to human beings? You know, this whole idea of gender, it's being pushed as an agenda, even in kindergarten and first grade at that level in such an intense way. I'm like, God, what, do you, what why is this happening? God began to speak to me. There is, this is kind of like the plan of the enemy. Whenever there is a redemptive revelation that is about to come, the enemy literally just goes like swinging in the dark, whatever he can do to try to disrupt the plan of God that is just about to happen. And this issue of gender confusion, here is what, here's why it's happening more and more is because there is coming a righteous bridegroom who has no gender confusion as the man, Christ Jesus, riding on his horse, and he's coming for his bride who will have no gender issues. You see, the, the end, it's a long game. If the enemy in two generations from now, perhaps, I'm, I think, can bring confusion in the minds so much so that we don't even can make out male and female, maybe that's a plan to thwart that glorious marriage of the bridegroom and his bride. Thank you, Lord. You know, after first service, Sarah usually gives, I ask her, babe, how did I do? Is there okay? Any feedback? You know, was my... My fly open, my button undone, anything, you know. But she says, no, it was, everything is okay. Just like the intensity, you know, build it. I'm like, you know, some, for a good message, you want to like build, set it up, set it up, storytelling, set it up. But today it's just, it's a bad message. You're going to get it all. In here, I feel so encouraged when I step out. It's a mental, spiritual, emotional battle trying to figure it all out and have hope and courage because I'm still leading my family. I'm still part of a team that's leading a faith community. We need the wisdom of God on a daily basis. But here's what encourages me. The sociopolitical context. The, even the geopolitical context of the time when Jesus was crucified was the same context in which he decided to birth the New Testament church era. 
If he can do that with the greatest violation of the seemingly the greatest violation of the plan of God by the local government and the religious order of that time, sending Jesus to the cross. If that context can produce the New Testament church, God can do so much more in our midst today. In a moment, he can switch and flip and change the narrative. He's just looking for some people who will wait and watch and pray and believe and hope and be and stay in that place of courage. The instruction was go wait in the upper room. That doesn't seem like a great strategic plan. He is with us. And when he shows up, everything changes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Ephesians 3.10 says, to the intent now that the manifold wisdom of God may be made known by the church to the powers and principalities. The word manifold, we don't use it a lot. What it means is endless, eternal. It's a continually operating, continually happening wisdom. The manifold wisdom of God may be known by the church. You see, he can do it by himself. Everybody agree with that? He can just decree, he can just command, he can just say it, and things will change. But in his genius plan, he works with you and I. As we're entering this prayer and fasting season, I want to speak to our hearts to be encouraged in God, not just pleading, God, save our nation, but standing in the, yeah, we, we need to do that as well, but standing in the place of courage saying, God, you reign over it all. You reign over the nations. You reign over governments. You reign over the plan of the whole, whole world. Thank you, Lord. The manifold wisdom of God may be known by the church to power, powers and principalities. This is our intercessory role in this season. As you see things unfolding, unraveling all around us, accelerating towards even greater darkness, we are called to be a people of hope. We're called to see, not with our eyes, but look to heaven. There's a passage with Jehoshaphat in that story that said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We have no idea how to defeat these armies that are coming against us, but we know you may have a plan, so we're looking here. The army is coming from here. Strategically, you should be looking over here, shields up, but it says, but we are looking to you, God. This has got to be our position in this season. Turn to Psalm 24, and this is going to be the context. This is going to be where we... Stay. The title of today's, this morning's message is, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's. Verse 1 reads, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. It is such a comprehensive statement to start the psalm. I want you to say it with me. The earth is the Lord's. I think me, my voice alone was stronger than all of that. Let's try it again. Together. The earth is the Lord's. It's a declaration. It's not a statement we're reading. It's a declaration every time we read the psalm. The earth is the Lord's. This is why Psalm chapter 2, scriptures say that God laughs at the plan, the vain plans of man. Of nations. He, he laughs at their wicked plans because it altogether belongs to him. The word earth here is a word eretz. It means literally means soil. 
the ground, the, the dirt. If you have anyone here buying a house in this season, a few hands. When you buy the house, when you sign on that contract, go to your property, pick up some dirt and say, this ground that I just bought belongs to the Lord. And we are partnering with you today here on the earth. The earth is the Lord and all its fullness, meaning everything that planet earth is able to yield and grow belongs to him. And then the next line says, the world and those who dwell. The world means the ground as well, geography, but also culture. Also, everything we have built on top of the earth belongs to him. Not only that, all the people belong to him as well. The Russians belong to him. The Ukrainians belong to him. The UK belongs to him. Republicans belong to him. Democrats belong to him. The whole world, all the people belong to God. I'm encouraging your heart as intercessors so we don't take sides for no reason. Does that make sense? Which side are you on? Are you for us or are you against us? I've come to take over. Thank you, Lord. And as we read on in this chapter, it says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. See, not only are we declaring that the earth is the Lord's, there's an invitation for us as believers, for us as intercessors, for us as the saints of God to rise up and to climb up the hill of God, to meet with him, to counsel with him, and to worship him, to come to an elevated, come away from what you see in the natural and ascend the hill, the holy hill of God with clean hands, pure hearts. It doesn't say with weapons of warfare and shields and swords and tanks. It doesn't say any of that. Come and worship the Lord. And then we read the end of the chapter. It says, now lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, so that the king of glory may come in. So we have the earth and all its fullness, an invitation to rise up to the hill of the Lord. And now as we're worshiping him, we get to be the gateway and the doorway for our God to enter into the earth. And verse 8 says, Who is, what is the nature of this King of glory? Who is this King of glory? And the answer is, The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Come on. This is the answer to all of the angst and the pain and the anguish of the nations of the earth. He is coming. We get to be a part of it. We get to be the gateway that welcomes him. And he comes in like a mighty, strong God. Strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. We were singing about all of this today. Not planned. Thank you, Lord. The earth is the Lord's. Let's read that together. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. The world and those who dwell therein. Thank you, Lord. When he comes, there's going to be a song. The song of Revelation says, we're going to be singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. It seems really like a great worship set. You know, the song of the Lamb. Oh, it's so cute. And the song of Moses, how God saved them, the story, you know, testimonies and everything like that. But then the heavens rip open. And what comes out of heaven looks nothing like what we're singing about. 
What comes out of heaven is this warrior, ruling, reigning king, riding on his white horse with his robe dipped in blood and king of kings and lord of lords tattooed or written or whatever on his thigh. And he's going to come and rule and reign and take over the nations of the earth. And we get to be a part of it. The prince who brings peace with him. Thank you, Lord. Acts 17, 26. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. What nations are fighting over right now, it's not even, doesn't even belong to them. God literally drew the boundaries for every nation to dwell in. You know, as, as, uh, as parents, kids often fight over stuff, you know. And sometimes, like Saturday, you think it's Shabbat, you just get to sleep in. There's one day you get to sleep in and enjoy. Uh-uh. Right? That's the morning that World War III happens at home. Not our kids. I'm talking about our neighbor's kids. And you get to the scene. It's like, there's a battle. I was playing with it first. I've been playing with it for two hours, my PlayStation or whatever. And the other person, no, it's mine. I was going to play with it at 10 o'clock. I had planned it on, you know. And so the parents come in, and what's the first thing we ask? Okay, hang on. Shh. Who does it belong to? Whose who's, is this PlayStation? And one person goes, it's mine. Okay, that settles it, right? And then you help them for, you know, be kind to each other, ask for permission, all those things. But the thing that settles and begins to lock in this argument is, who does this belong to? And that's our role and our position as intercessors that we are praying for Russia, Ukraine, the Middle East, the nations of the earth. Who does it belong to? The earth is the Lord's. This is our continual declaration over the nations of the earth. And all its fullness. Thank you, Lord. Psalm 89, 11, The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all its fullness you have founded them. There are over and over scriptures that say the same thing. All of it he has clear ownership of. And in Isaiah 61, 1 to 3, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, verse 3, And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And I love this. This is an eternal scene that is happening right now that has always been happening around the throne of God. These creative, amazing angels flying around the throne of God singing, holy, 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 holy. I've heard different preachers say that each time they say holy, they're witnessing another dimension of God. It's not just repetition. It is a new, new ascribing to God, new description, using the same language to what they're continually witnessing around the throne of God. Woo. But the next line, you think it would continue describing what's happening in heaven, but the very next line shockingly says this. Thank you, Lord. The whole earth is full of your glory. There is a continual report of the, the, the unending revelation of God, and in the, with the very next breath they say, and the whole, not only this, the whole earth is filled with the glory of God. Where is the glory of God on the earth? Where is it? Is it around us? Is it on the streets? Where is it? Christ in me, 
the hope of glory. We become the revelators of the glory of God through our lives by stepping into confidently, God, this is what you've called me to do. Teachers, you are called to teach. Parents, you're called to be parents. Whatever you are doing in your life, in any, 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 any realm, whether it's relational or part of your job, this is what you're called to in this season. I was sharing in the first service, there's a, there's a coach that, that's part of our church. Um, he's a coach of the Messiah women's varsity team. I went to watch their game, and I've known him as a professor of Messiah years ago. But I watched him coaching the team. I was filled with the delight of God because he was in his element, and he gave us seats right behind the, 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 uh, the team. I was feeling the anointing, the glory of his life watching him coach this team because this is what he's called to do. Does that make sense? So it's not, a, it's not rocket science. What you are called to do in this season of your life, live it with all your heart. And the pleasure of God reveals his glory in us and all around us. Romans 8, 19 to 21 for the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. This creation that we're talking about that belongs to the Lord is waiting and groaning for you and I to step fully into what we were created to be. You see, this creation experience was a first to experience the salvation power of God because when the Holy Spirit came, Upon the scene in Genesis 1, it says the world, the earth was dark without form and void. And into that, it says, let there be light. From that moment on, the earth has never been described as dark and void and without form. The earth experienced the salvation, saving power of God. And because of our fall, creation has been groaning and waiting and calling for sons and daughters to step into our God-ordained glory in our lives. Because it says creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. We were singing about sons and daughters. Our world around us will be delivered into the liberty of the glory of the sons and daughters of the children of God. Come on. We become answers. We become the revelators of the glory of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of us. And the whole earth is filled. Look at that family. Rob and your family, you move here. Look at their family. Fill with the glory of God as you pursue God in this season. Uprooting your lives to come here and follow the presence of the Lord. There's so many like that here. Thank you, Lord. And every time we step into that, what we are called to do, it attracts people around you. It brings, it stirs something of, hey, I feel the same thing. I'm drawn to this. There's always this kindred spirit kind of thing that draws people around you. For Moses, it was Aaron. For David, it was Jonathan. For Elijah, it was Elisha. For Jesus, John the Baptist. Barnabas, Paul. Paul and Silas. For Joshua, it was Caleb. I remember preaching on the story of Joshua and Caleb last year about them going into the promised land. And I want to step into the story just for a minute and reveal another part of the story that's often not seen. So we know that there were 12 spies that were sent in to, to scout out the, the land, right? 
These 12 men were not ordinary men. They were not foot soldiers. They're thinking, you know, let's send somebody that if those giants kill them, you know what I mean? We can, you know, we have, we have the good people, good stuff here. Their loss may not be felt that much. Terrible, I know. But they were not foot soldiers. The 12 spies that were sent in were the 12 leaders of the 12 tribes appointed by God over Israel. So these are not your neighbors. Leaders of Israel, 12 tribes, 12 leaders go into this land and they immediately are faced with giants. Day one, giants. I'm like, oh my goodness. Day two, they get bigger. What is going on? Are you sure we have the right GPS coordinates here? Day three, they get bigger and they realize those were all kids. Day four, the grown-ups show up and they're like, oh my gosh, we're surely going to die. But I'm imagining I'm getting into the story with liberty here. Glorious liberty of the children of God. And I'm imagining, but there was something different about two of them in the story as we read it. The others were so discouraged day after day. They were not there overnight. They were there for 40 days. They went in and were discouraged day in, day out, morning, evening, night. And this is what they said. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, you see, these are leaders. So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Leadership is dangerous if you are not hearing what God is speaking to you in that moment. And their wisdom was, let us select a leader, not just go back, but go back all the way to Egypt. How discouraged do you have to be to take your family and kids all the way back to Egypt? All the way back to bondage for centuries that they were in and crying for freedom. But I'm, ima I'm imagining two, three weeks into this spying, scouting trip, they went through the day, discouraged as anything, came back, their campfire, sitting around the campfire, and on one side of the campfire is this dude, and he looks over, and he sees another guy on the other side, part of the 12, and as they're walking away, he goes up to him and says, hey, what's your name? And he looks at him and goes, Caleb, what's yours? My name's Joshua. For the last three weeks, I've noticed you haven't said a single word. And Caleb goes, I was thinking the same about you. You look mighty suspect over there. For three weeks, you haven't said a single thing. What's your game? And perhaps Joshua said something like, I know there are giants here, but I also know what God has spoken to us. When God sent them on this mission, the first thing he said is, go into the land which I am giving to the children of Israel. The key here is, the giants were not the greatest battle for Joshua and Caleb. It was living 40 days with other leaders of equal stature and believing something so different because God has spoken Contrary to their experience, which was very real, so much so that these qualified, appointed by God leaders said, we're going all the way back to Egypt. And we're going to have leadership to take us back to Egypt as well. The battle for Joshua and Caleb in that moment is to continue day after day to secretly believe the report of the Lord when it wasn't visible outside and sure wasn't part of their conversation in their camp. 
Later on, when they came back to, their, to, to their people and, and Joshua and Caleb said, it was an amazing land. We saw it. This is the land flowing with milk and honey. This is what God promised. You know what the people said around him? Stone them. You can imagine 40 days with that kind of tension, keeping secret what they believe, keeping secret and hidden their faith in order that they can bring back a report. I want to be part of this company. That no matter what happens, outside or inside, no matter what happens, you know what God has spoken. He will fulfill what he has spoken to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Around the campfire that night, they made a covenant of faith with each other. A covenant of faith that said, what you believe, I believe the same. Because God spoke it. No matter what happens around us. We are going to continue to believe the report of the Lord for us, for our people, for our families, for our nation, in order that we continue to walk with God in favor and obedience. I want to be that kind of people. No matter what happens outside, we are aware of it, but we're also following what God has spoken. As intercessors, a people of faith, as saints of God, we have to be aware of what's going on. We have to be aware of the mandates. We have to be aware of the laws and the governing principles and policies. But we also have to stand our ground with the anchor rooted in believing what God had spoken to us. Thank you, Lord. There's this amazing passage in the book of Job where it's very... John and I were talking in between services. It's, it's such an unusual passage. It's a, such an unusual exchange. God stands up. John said this. God just stands up there, doesn't he? He does. So much chaos going on. Unbelief and, and plan B. Let's try it. Well, God spoke that, but let's try this. Maybe it'll be this way. Maybe it'll be that way. Maybe we can do it better. Maybe we, this is the way to do it. And all of a sudden, you see God just stands up in their midst. Unlike any other passage of scripture, and he begins to address them. And as we enter this season of prayer and fasting, we'll close with this. I want to read this over us. I want to read this over our community. I want to read this over our families. I want to read this over our counties. I want to read this over Harrisburg as a capital city. I want to read this over Pennsylvania, the keystone state for our nation. I want to read this over America. And I want to read this over the nations of the earth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Here's what it says. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? Who shut in the sea with doors? When I made the clouds its garment. When I fixed my limit for it. And set bars and doors. When I said this far you may come but no farther. And here your proud waves must stop. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Have you comprehended the breath of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Where 
is the way to the dwelling of light. Have you entered the treasury of snow? Or have you seen the treasury of hail? By what way is light diffused? Or the east wind scattered over the earth? Who has divided a path for the thunderbolt? Who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice and the frost of heaven? Who gives it birth? Can you send out lightnings that they may go and say to you, here we are? Who has put wisdom in the mind or who has given understanding to the heart? Have you given the horse strength? Does the hawk fly by your wisdom? Does the eagle mount up at your command? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's respond to the Lord with our hearts, with our lives, yielded to Him. Let's respond rightly to the Lord in this season as we enter the season of prayer and fasting.
Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We pray for every mom and dad, every parent, raising children in this hour. Thank you, Lord. We pray for every believer running for office. We pray over every school district, those who are standing up. Somebody came to me in between services. Could you pray tomorrow we have this case that we're presenting to our school board. We're standing up against unrighteousness in school. We pray for the bold truckers convoy because at some point, come on. At some point you say enough is enough. We're asking not for a political movement. We're asking for the holiness of God to cover our land. Righteousness to flow through our land again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Before we read together Psalm 24 again, I want to declare over us, not just that the earth is the Lord's, but my family is the Lord's. My workplace is the Lord's. My school is the Lord's. My neighborhood is the Lord's. My city is the Lord's. Pennsylvania is the Lord's. America is the Lord's. Let's read this verse one more time together. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This is our declaration. And we commission you in the next few weeks as we participate corporately in prayer and fasting, however you join the fast and the prayer times, we commission you to be the glory carriers filled with the joy of God, aware of what's happening, but also seeing God face to face and knowing that He is in charge. We commission you with courage and joy in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shouted, Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.